Mema Sangu indicated that she might join us a little bit later, but she also has another commitment, an NCOP commitment, but she might join later on. Okay. All right. Let me welcome honorable members, um, members of the media, a special welcome to the speaker, the chairperson of the NCOP, and the minister, and colleagues from parliament. You are all welcome. Before I can outline the agenda for the meeting and maybe invite uh, the speaker to take us through, Cindy, can we formally deal with apologies? Yes, Chair, good afternoon. We received an apology from Mr. Molitsane. He's also still busy with Provincial Week. Mr. Hai um, is experiencing some difficulty, technical difficulties, but he will he will participate when he can. And then we received the Deputy Speaker's apology as well. Um, those are all the only apologies we received, Chair. Okay. My apologies. Is the Deputy Minister part of the meeting? I don't want to. The deputy minister has not yet um, joined you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Are there any other apologies, members, that uh, you would want us to record before we can open for? Yeah, yes, chair. Yes, chair. Yes, I'm raising the apology of uh, Honorable Doris Kagute. Is only party political land or commitment. Any other uh, apologies? Yes, Chairperson. The the apology of the one of the presiding officers, the chairperson of the NCOP, okay. and and the deputy speaker and deputy chair. I'm not sure if she is here, but the team from the NCOP side still has engagements related to their constitutional responsibilities. Chair. Thank you. Um, Cindy, can you flight the agenda? Okay, thank you very much. Um, we only have one agenda item, uh, which is briefing on progress made in the investigation into the damage of the affected buildings uh, following the 2nd January 2022 fire on the parliamentary present. Then that will be followed by discussions and closing remarks on progress reports by DPWI and Parliament delegations uh, excused. Um, Cindy, when you say DPWI, on progress report, uh, on 
When you say DPWI and parliament delegations excused, you mean when we deal with consideration of the second term program? Yes, Chairperson. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um, members, I want to welcome you once more and uh, thank the Speaker of Parliament that uh, she constituted this meeting. She she insisted that uh, we sit and uh, get first-hand information on progress made uh, thus far. Um, I'm also not sure, Cindy, if we do have members from other committees. If so, I want to welcome chairpersons, uh, whips of committees who might have joined us and uh, members both in the NA and in the NCOP, members who are not necessarily uh, members of the joint study, study uh, joint uh, portfolio, joint standing committee meeting of parliament. You are all welcome members and uh, procedure will still uh, be as the previous um, uh, approach that we used um, that only members of parliament will engage on this report. And when you speak, you will have to fully identify yourself and your designated committee. Um, we're doing that uh, because members of public, though they are welcome, and members of media, though they are welcome to sit in our meetings, but they're not allowed to speak. So for record purposes, we need to know who has participated on this matter. Madam Speaker, can I invite you so that uh, you can give us uh, some, uh, you can give us a forward and after that we can then invite the department to give us further details on the progress so far. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. And thanks to you all, honorable members who have made themselves available on a Friday afternoon. I know a number of members, uh, usually on Fridays, are trying to find their way home. But thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson, for, Chairpersons for convening this meeting. Honorable members, I know that uh, we did not give you much time to prepare yourselves for this meeting. I made a request that we should meet after my interaction with the Minister of DPWI, Minister Delil. And I want to thank the Minister that she is here on this platform and together with her team, we interacted with the Minister sometime beginning of this week, Monday or Tuesday, just Monday, yes. And I requested that we should meet so that we can just get a sense of what is happening since the last time we met. You'll recall, honorable members, that immediately after the fire, there were a series of meetings which you convened where you wanted to hear what progress we are making, where you were giving clear directives about what needs to be done. And I want to say since then, a lot of work has been done by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure colleagues. So the report which the minister will give here, which she will talk to, I'm not the one to talk to the report. The minister together with her team will then present the report to us. 
This is not, I must say this, this is not a final report, colleagues. This is a preliminary report. Even that preliminary report has not been quite complete. It's not quite complete uh, because uh, the work has not been done, completed as yet. So what you have here is what I would call a progress report. Just for you to have an idea of what work is being done, that people are not coming back to you to give you a report, that we've not done that. It is not as though nothing is being done. A lot is being done. And I think that by receiving this report, honorable members, you will realize the amount of work that's being done behind the scenes. You will also get a sense of finally, which direction will have to go beyond the fire you will see for yourselves the extent of the devastation caused by the fire on our building uh, uh, of parliament. And as you have read in the media, and therefore, as you know, the minister did contract a, a Guha development group, which is the one which is responsible for this assessment. It's a group of engineers, and the minister can talk to that as well. But I want to say, honorable members, when I received the report uh, on Tuesday, when I was briefed by the minister and the team, I was highly impressed by the work being done. We may not, uh, it may not be conclusive in terms, because it is still phase one of the report. And even that phase one, as I've said, has not, is not complete yet. But you will have a clear picture of the nature of the challenges we are likely to have. You will have a clear picture as to whether, in fact, just how long it will take us to, to emerge from the ruins which were caused by, by, by this fire. So, honorable members, I will hand over to Minister Delil and her team to then brief you and I must say that, honorable members, uh, when we were talking with the minister, we, we agreed because the minister felt very strongly that it would be good if this meeting is a closed meeting, precisely because, as you know, there is still investigation being conducted. For instance, up until now, we do not have access to the building at all. The only people who can enter the building are the engineers who are doing this assessment and the people from the Hawks. So at the time when we interacted, a minister would have also had an opportunity to interact with the Hawks just to indicate to them that we are having this meeting today and that uh, we will be then be briefing the committee about what we have seen and what has happened in the building. So just to say, honorable members, um, yeah, there, there may be those limitations, uh, there may be difficulties maybe in explaining some of the things, but ours here, by the way, is not to deal with the investigation on the criminal act which was committed in parliament, but rather to focus on what we see in the slides as they will end the footage which will be presented here to us, which will show us just uh, the extent of the destruction 
of, or the devastation of the fire. That's it. So we're not intending here to answer any questions which relate to the investigation on the criminal act which was conducted here, but rather to talk about, to engage on, on the matters which are going to be presented to us by the team of engineers, which is together with the minister. So honorable members, that is where we are. We have agreed with the minister that we'll have regular interactions We've agreed that if it is possible, depending on the agency of the matters, we will have weekly meetings so that she briefs us as the executive authority of parliament about progress which this team is making. But I want to say I'm highly impressed, honorable members, by the professionalism and the speed at which the team is doing things on site. Thank you very much, honorable members. I hand over to Minister Delil Chaperson. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Um, members, uh, seeing that it is Friday afternoon and it was an agent meeting, let us not waste time, allow the minister to go through the, the report, then we will engage after. Please remember to keep your microphones muted at all times. Thank you. Honorable Minister, the platform is yours. You will then guide us as to who is going to uh, take yeah. us through the presentation, but I now hand over to you and the department. Yes, thank you, Honorable Chairperson, and good afternoon to the Honorable Members, Honorable Speaker. Yes, I can confirm, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that we gave the speaker a briefing on Tuesday the 29th, uh, and then the speaker requested that we brief the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament. What we had to do as the department after briefing the speaker, we had to get permission from the Hawks uh, to proceed uh, because we insisted that we wanted to brief the members of parliament. The permission was granted by the Hawks, and the reason why it's like that, the Hawks has not handed over the building to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure because it is still a crime scene. So even all the work that our technical team has done, they were accompanied by the Hawks, and the walks and oversight on the, the various sections of parliament uh, that they allowed us to, to enter. So today, um, Madam Chair, I am joined by the CEO of Kucha Development, uh, Mr. Kwezi Tia, and then also the executive manager of Kucha, Mr. Temba Kosa, and then also by the executive manager of Kucha, Mr. Mbande, and then the program manager for this project uh, for Kucha development is Mr. Christo Birkes. Then from the department, we have got uh, the acting uh, DG. We also have Mr. Mzwandile Sezona, who is uh, the chief director of Prestige. Ms. Temba Kolela, Director Projects of our Cape Town Regional Office, 
And so that is the team that will brief you today. We have agreed with the speaker on Tuesday that we will give regular updates to the speaker. I won't go into any detail of, of the report. Kuha uh, will make the presentation. And then thereafter, we can take uh, questions, Madam Chair. But uh, thank you for the opportunity. And through you, Chair, with your permission, I would like to ask um, the, 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 the program manager, Mr. Christo Beekers, uh, to take the, the committee through uh, the presentation. I thank you. Your Honorable Chairperson, if you could just do the introductory slides, it's the Acting DG, MTR Sezel. Um, Leanne, if you can move on to the next slide, please. Uh, Chairperson, just by way of introduction, the uh, presentation will, will cover two main areas. We were requested to provide a briefing on the developments with respect to our investigation, as the Minister has explained, and there are two areas in particular we'll focus on, phase one which is uh, semi-complete, subject to uh, a number of outstanding areas. And phase one focused on what we call making safe. It was an assessment to enable the Hawks to uh, gather information, uh, forensic information, and to enter the building. And phase two is a more detailed damage assessment to give us a basis from which to uh, look at options uh, with respect to uh, refurbishment or other options with respect to recovery of the building. Next slide. Yes, so the, the, this is the uh, outline of the presentation, Chairperson. Uh, we'll talk about the terms of reference where we appointed the independent expert, which in this instance is Kuha Development Corporation, the initial findings with respect to phase one, the progress to date, the National Assembly, basement water extraction, there's a project in process at this moment in time where flooding in the basement is, is being dealt with and what is being expected. Then we also have the Hawks and the fire forensic investigations, the health and safety risks that have been identified. And we also have an action list in terms of the responsibilities of the investigator of parliament, the SEPs and ourselves. And these are being tracked. We'd like to share that with the members of the committee present today and also our program for the remaining part of phase one and phase two going forward before we conclude. Next slide, please. Yes, Chairperson and members of the committee, the terms of reference for this particular investigation uh, included uh, an internal DPW engineering team early in January was dispatched to the scene to conduct a preliminary visual assessment of the damages that include the, the safety aspect of the site immediately following the fire in January 2022. The findings of our internal professional team, Chairperson, they found uh, that the damage necessitated that the National Assembly building be cordoned off and closed uh, for access. Uh, immediately thereafter, we communicated with the Speaker and Secretary of Parliament, and uh, the building was then cordoned off from that moment onward, and that took place at the end of the first week of January. The recommendations, Chairperson, of this preliminary assessment was also used as the terms of reference for an independent specialist team 
to conduct further detailed damage assessments and testing of material strength. So the internal GPW team then conducted the preliminary assessment, which was followed by our identification of an independent investigator, which I discuss in the next slide. If you could move there. Thank you. So Chairperson, what we did in January was to appoint a, an independent uh, engineering team, uh, and we went through a national treasury deviation process, which was nevertheless competitive. And we have a number of implementing agents that we work with, one of whom is the KUHA Development Corporation, and the KUHA, KUHA Development Corporation provided the most com uh, cost-competitive bid, and they were appointed as a result on Friday, the 11th of February, 2022. Next slide, please. Yes, Chair, the terms of reference for the investigation included the two phases, as I've mentioned earlier. The first one was the initial assessment report. The damage report uh, is the end product of this phase, which is required to indicate the extent of the structural damage and any other structural issues, the pronouncement on the safety aspects of the structure, advice on short-term measures to address any safety concerns, as well as to provide us with a proposed program for completing detailed assessment reports. So this is largely chairperson what uh, we will report on today is the phase one, but just for the record, they will continue with phase two on an immediate basis with a detailed assessment. And the detailed assessment will include an indication of the extent of the damage and any other structural issues, a pronouncement on the residual strength of the structure, including all relevant tests and analysis they are required to conduct, as well as propose restorative measures with associated cost comparisons for, for, for restoration. And this is an area in which we will engage Parliament as well as National Treasury, and then propose an estimate of the rehabilitation project, together with a preliminary cost estimate of this project and pronounce on possible long-term restorative measures. So Chairperson, on this uh, a basis I'd like to leave that introduction and hand over to Mr. Kwezi Tia. Uh, Mr. Tia is the CEO of the Kuka Development Corporation, and I'd like him to introduce the engineering team to provide uh, uh, an indication of the phase one report. Thank you very much, Mr. Tia. Thank you. Uh, through, uh, through you, Chairperson, thank you, Acting uh, uh, DG, uh, Honorable Speaker, Honorable Minister, Chairperson of the Committee and Members. Uh, as the Minister would have outlined, I am here with two colleagues, uh, uh, three colleagues, my apologies, uh, Mr. Temba Koza and Tuma Mbande, who are the Executive Head and Oversight, and Mr. Christoph Bakers, who leads our technical team that is driving the work that is required. Mr. Mr. Bjorkas will do the most of the presentation, but just to highlight to the members of the committee and it's important in this context, uh, all four of us uh, who are here actually are engineers by background, which is critical for, for the quality of the work being reviewed even internally. The other point I wanted to make is that we are sensitive to the, uh, to the importance of this work in relation to this national asset, as well as ensuring that uh, we give the Department of Laws and Infrastructure and Parliament the highest levels of professionalism and being sensitive to the time uh, that is required to complete this. So what you will find here is the best that can be done in the time available without sacrificing any of the relevant professionalism and, and, and good work that is required. And then Mr. Christopher Biagas will then take you through the detail of what has happened to date 
and, and, and as the speaker had said, to get a sense as to where we are and how we're going to move forward. Thank you very much. Over to you, Christo. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Mr. Tiaf. Uh, good afternoon, um, Chairperson and members of the committee. Um, if I can start off with the uh, first slide. Um, basically, on the 15th of February, we started our um, physical uh, assessment of the uh, buildings that uh, were damaged by fire. Um, if I can start off with the old assembly, the uh, slide uh, shows the uh, aerial image of the top floor damaged by uh, a wing of this building damaged by fire. Of significance here uh, in terms of um, making safe. Um, you will see more or less in the middle of this particular photo two on either side, two gable end walls, and then the exterior walls of this particular uh, building wing. Um, the uh, pronouncement on the structural integrity of the structure was, was uh, deemed to be of no significance, uh, therefore no risk of uh, imminent collapse. And uh, the recommendations from, from our assessment is just to make safe in order to um, secure any uh, walls um, possibly exposed to high wind loads, which may be blown over, and then immediately to um, uh, provide a temporary roofing structure uh, to um, mitigate any rains uh, entering the lower floor floors and cause further uh, water damage. Um, with regard to loose debris on the roof, that also needs to be taken care of. Uh, also, during high wind conditions, that debris can blow off and fall on the precinct or at, um, most likely also blow over into Government Avenue at the back. So that's the immediate uh, uh, remedial works that's required here, and uh, DPWI is already uh, addressing that. If we can move on to the next slide, um, we, you will see uh, basically we've started um, with our assessment from the ground floor and the first floor of this particular building. Um, you will see very limited fire damage on these uh, particular floors. We did find existing cracks, not uh, caused because of the fire. Um, the, the, most of the damage is, is either smoke or water. So in the pictures at the left, you will see actually just water from blazing the fire at the top uh, coming through to the lower floors. And subsequently repair works, uh, cosmetic repair works will have to be carried out. Um, then if we can move to the next floor, uh, next slide. The, yeah, the next slide shows actually the top floor um, where most of the uh, damage uh, occurred in one particular wing of this um, uh, building. Um, it's limited to, if you look at a floor plan at the left, uh, where all those call outs are, uh, that particular wing um, had uh, extensive fire damage. Um, fortunately, if you look at the wing uh, at the bottom of, of, of the slide to the left, that fire did not enter those uh, particular corridors and no fire damage uh, occurred in that particular wing. Uh, so it was only limited to the top left uh, section of the building. If we, um, as we obviously approach this particular uh, top floor, we also in the photos at the bottom on the right, photos six and seven, uh, you will see again uh, water damage uh, where a bulkhead was was actually uh, uh, damaged as a result of, of water coming through from um, fighting the fire at the top. Then um, uh, some debonding of plastering due to the intensity of the heat, uh, but no damage to any re reinforced concrete. If we can move to the next slide, please. Um, then as we uh, obviously enter this particular area, um, on the left you can see the extent of the fire um, at the roof level, 
due to the fact that the roof uh, mainly comprised of timber with a uh, slated tile. Um, the, the, the fire obviously, uh, you know, was such that the entire roof uh, then basically um, uh, burnt out. Um, we were quite concerned about this, the, the, the tile slates we found um, as to a possible asbestos composition. Um, we did, however, confirm that it's it's not uh, posing any risk. It's not a comp uh, asbestos uh, type of tile. It's a fiber cement. Um, we believe that this roof was replaced some five, six years ago, and they did use fiber cement. Um, if we look at the photos, extensive damage, uh, obviously, on that floor, uh, the photo 11 shows the gable end. That's of a concern to us um, because it's, there's no bracing or stability on that particular uh, masonry wall, and that need, uh, uh, need some um, imminent um, uh, bracing or, or tieback. Um, if we move to the photos on the right, photograph 13, again, due to the intensity of the heat, um, due to the fire, um, major debonding of plaster actually occurred on all the internal walls, as can be seen in most of those, fo those photos. Photos 14 and 15 is just the floor, um, that particular floor um, comprised of a timber uh, a floor, and um, uh, some uh, areas of that timber floor actually um, uh, got damaged in, in, uh, during the fire. If we move on to the next slide, please. Again, photos showing the timber floor and some uh, damage to the timber floor as a result of the fire. Then if we look at the structural damage, um, the structural damage due to the fire is mainly contained to uh, cracks appearing in the brickwork, um, but those are repairable. Um, there's no major structural damage, as already mentioned, uh, to any of the concrete beams, lintels, or ring beams. Um, uh, so the photo on the right, photo 21, clearly shows some concrete uh, elements which um, have not been affected by, by the fire. So it's structurally, the concrete uh, uh, elements in, on, on this particular wing is still very much intact and poses no uh, risk at all, other than the structural cracks found in the brickwork, which would, will re require some um, repairs. Next slide, please. Um, again, clear images of the devastate, devastation of this fire um, on this particular floor. Um, again, you can see virtually the entire roof um, uh, got actually um, completely uh, damaged by, by the fire. Um, the photo 26 is the passages leading into the adjacent wing. Um, what's quite important there is that we found a uh, fire sprinkling system, but again, um, the fire did not enter that particular section of the, of the building, and um, all, all damages in that particular area is caused because of smoke um, or water, but um, uh, quite minor. Um, thank you. Next slide. Um, then, um, Madam Chair and members, if we can move to the National Assembly. This is an aerial image of our drone uh, that we flew over the building. Um, I think from above, it's quite evident that the damage is quite extensive at the roof level. Um, of particular concern here in terms of the making safe recommendations from, from our uh, draft uh, report is that um, on completion of the investigations by the Walker Fire Forensics, that immediately the, um, uh, roof, the roof material uh, in terms of sheeting, 
um, in other material needs to be um, taken care of. Uh, again, um, if we should be um, having very high wind conditions, um, then this material is subject to potentially blowing away and landing on the precinct or, or uh, at government avenue at the back. Um, so that is a immediate um, intervention that uh, must be must be carried out. Thank you. Next slide. Um, Madam Chair and members, if we start to uh, uh, look at the extent of, of fire damage, um, the ground floor, um, the callout shows the uh, actual locality of the pictures uh, taken. Um, of importance here is that um, we did find uh, uh, the fire damage in certain offices. There you can see, for instance, where a chair has, has, has uh, the court, caught fire. Uh, but if you look at photo three, for instance, there's a bench and um, the um, remainder of that office has got no fire damage. Um, so in that particular area, as you approach in, into the ground floor in certain uh, offices, very limited fire damage in those areas. Uh, again, on the photos uh, one and two shows actually no uh, evidence of any fire at those particular uh, positions. If we can move on. Um, if we look at the photos on the left, um, this is the uh, entry lobby into, into the National Assembly. Um, if you immediately would look up, up uh, coming through the doors, uh, you can see actually uh, some damage um, uh, uh, stretching up right to the top, um, um, mainly caused by the intensity of heat caused by smoke as the smoke tried to uh, escape the building. Um, but no structural damage whatsoever on any of the concrete elements in that particular uh, area. Um, I think of significance is the picture number 10. Um, that is basically as you start to enter through the doors into the main chamber. Um, in speaking to the fire department um, at, at, at uh, our uh, assessment, he did indicate that uh, before they even started to attempt to blaze the fire that was raging in the chamber, they measured 450 degrees on the outside of the chamber. Um, in terms of our assessment, and you'll see some images uh, later, uh, as to the extent of the concrete um, structure inside of this particular building, we reckon that the, the temperature could have reached um, as, as high as 900 degrees, causing the, the extent of uh, damage to the concrete. Um, uh, the photo 11 is also of importance. Um, that's metal that actually started to show signs of melting. Um, then if we move to the right, um, you can also see um, copper wiring in photograph 40 that also uh, had signs of uh, melting. Uh, and that I think is important um, to demonstrate the intensity of this heat caused by this fire. Then the photos at the bottom is just some uh, existing cracks we found, and then uh, also um, other cracks due to the fire, but nothing major in terms of um, structural um, stability. If we can move to the next slide. Um, Madam Chair and members, this is now obviously the mezzanine level. Uh, on this particular level, we found very limited damage, uh, fire damage. Uh, you can see the photographs at, on the left at the bottom. Um, some uh, 
evacuation signs still very much in place. You can see in the background of that picture as well, um, the paintwork on the columns and other um, walls still fairly intact. Um, the lift lobby in uh, photograph 18, no evidence of any fire damage. So again, yeah, the, the damage was limited on the outside of, of the chambers um, and, and uh, also limited in terms of the entry lobby uh, into this particular building. Again, the balustrades, no indication of any fire damage, which uh, would have caused um, deformation of, of such members. Um, photograph 20, also lift lobby, no fire damage at, at all in, um, for, um, uh, evident in that particular area. Um, and then plasterboard, uh, obviously, um, in photograph 21, which is an indication that um, the fire was actually uh, limited to the um, central area uh, inside the chamber. We can move on. Um, if we then proceed to the first floor, which is actually now um, uh, entering the, the, the main chamber, um, and I think this is where significant damage uh, occurred due to this fire and the, and the intensity of the heat. Um, I think if you would stand in the chamber and look up, um, now this particular chamber has got a double volume, meaning it, uh, it, uh, it's stretching from, from this particular floor, from the ground floor, right through an open void to, this, to the bottom of the sec second floor. So this is now images from the, the bottom of the second floor um, and the and the damage caused to the to the uh, structural um, concrete of that particular floor. So of importance is the images on the bottom left, photograph 22 and 23. That is the um, concrete or uh, bottom of the concrete um, apron to the gallery. Um, uh, what is quite evident here is that the uh, concrete covering uh, spalled away from the rebar, as indicated by the arrow, um, which also is a clear sign of the heat intensity. Um, so basically, uh, if you look at the bottom of that particular chamber floor, you will just find uh, a lot of concrete chunks, and that's the spalling that actually broke loose from the, the structural uh, concrete elements above. The images on the right, um, photograph 24, is if you would stand immediately in the middle of the chamber and look up, um, and what you would typically have found there is your ceiling and your lights. Um, all of that has, 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 has burnt out. There's virtually nothing left of um, what you would uh, have expected uh, in the chamber. Um, all you can see is basically the bottom of the second floor concrete slab and, and, and some uh, uh, post-tension beams. And you can see in that in those photos the extent of, of the fire damage right up, up uh, at that level. Um, of importance here is that uh, the structural design of this chamber was quite unique. Um, we did manage to trace the um, structural design engineer um, who uh, advised us as to the uh, structural um, uh, design uh, uh, philosophy. And uh, this particular chamber has got four major post-tension beams um, to span over that length in width. Now, those beams are critical, obviously, to support all the upper floors, because on the upper floors, all columns and shear walls are carried, actually, onto the second floor, 
um, and then distributed the loads to the to the columns. Now, um, in close inspection of the columns, we did not find major shear cracking due to the um, uh, heat intensity. Um, we did, however, find some hairline cracking, but nothing of significance. Um, but those post, uh, post tension columns are carried through these uh, columns. Um, as can seen in photograph 26, that's the interface between the column and those um, uh, major beams spanning over the chamber, uh, obviously supporting the uh, concrete uh, floors. And then obviously, as I said, all floors above are actually uh, in terms of load transfer coming, coming down to that level. So critical, um, obviously, uh, uh, and you will see as we uh, uh, proceed with the damage on the other floors, how severe um, the, the uh, structural damage um, is on the, on the upper floors. So um, photograph 26 again, um, just the uh, exposed uh, steel reinforcing with uh, major spalling on the coffer slabs. Now a coffer slab is typically a, a rib type of slab. It has got ribs. We'll show you some even images um, at the later stage of such a typical coffer slab. Um, now, uh, the deflection uh, on the floor, um, in, in our opinion, were quite uh, significant to the extent that major deflection occurred, which subsequently caused the damage on the upper floors. Uh, and you will see the, the extent of that in, 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 the, in the next slides. Thank you. Next um, slide, please. So, so Madam Speaker, uh, Madam Chair and, and, and colleagues, um, if we move up then to the second floor, um, now, um, on, on this particular floor, there's another chamber um, in the central area as shown in the floor plan. Uh, that's also a double volume chamber which stretch, stretches from this floor right up to the, the bottom of the fourth floor. Um, so very much as similar as the, as the main chamber below. Um, now, here, uh, if we first start at, and, and look at the entry lobby, again, we didn't find major structural da damage uh, due to the fire. Uh, again, indication that a fire was not actually uh, raging in that particular area. Um, the only damage is actually plaster that sort of debonded from from the, the concrete structural members, um, but but uh, nothing major. If we then start to look on the inside of, of and around the core area of this particular floor, um, photograph 32 um, clearly shows the extent of structural damage on 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 the bottom of of that particular floor. Looking up. Um, which is now the bottom of the third floor. And you can see that, uh, see there that the coffer slab um, and the ribs supporting that top concrete slab actually um, uh, separated uh, from, from that top uh, concrete floor, uh, exposing bar. And obviously, all that concrete uh, would have spalled uh, off and dropped down to the floor below. Again, photograph 33, again, a similar uh, uh, situation where your concrete supporting or, or forming your ribs um, um, basically broke away, uh, exposing the rebar, and then obviously fell, fell to the bottom. Now, that in itself will cause a deflection of that, of that floor, and, and any subsequent um, columns and, and support walls on top will be seriously affected because of that deflection under the heat conditions. Um, and, and you will see now, if we move to the next floor, the extent of damage on the next floor. Next slide, please. Um, floor number three. Um, again, uh, uh, this floor is, is now uh, the second double volume of the main, of the small chamber. 
Um, and uh, photograph 44 is basically from, uh, we couldn't enter, enter this due to the fact that we regard uh, the damage in this particular area as um, significant and uh, which posed some, uh, uh, some, some danger. So we just actually took a photograph from, from the uh, doorway. Um, and you can see again there, the extent of damage, um, again, looking up to the bottom of the fourth floor. Um, there's virtually nothing left in that particular chamber. Everything uh, basically got destroyed by fire. And you can see again the extent of, of damage to the uh, concrete um, uh, slab. Um, again, some sheer cracking we found. Um, and then uh, if we move to the right again at the uh, entrance lobby, looking up um, in terms of that double void um, uh, uh, area, uh, nothing major, no, no uh, major damage to any of the structural uh, components in this area, other than uh, the heat just actually uh, deponded the plaster from, from, from the concrete areas. But nothing of, of significant in terms of structural um, damage. Uh, next slide, please. Um, then again, uh, due to the heat, um, just the plaster that actually started to um, uh, deep bond from, from the brickwork. Um, and then on the right um, is a movement of a brick wall. And this brick wall is basically um, a, a adjacent to the chamber, where obviously we reckon the heat intensity was um, extremely high. Um, due to the damage we saw on the structural um, elements. And this wall, and this is on the on, on, on office side, actually moved as much as 100 millimeter. Hence that area we declared as a no-go area um, because of the possible uh, collapse of this particular wall. Um, but this does not pose a structural uh, failure on, in terms of the concrete um, uh, elements. It's just the, the, the wall that may pose uh, some safety safety concerns. Should people be inside the in inside the chamber on the second floor? Next slide, please. Uh, then again, um, photographs uh, 35 and 36. Uh, they are of importance because due to the heat from from below um, and the um, structural damage to the to the floor. Um, in terms of inspecting the, the, the now the floor above, we found that the floor actually moved as much as um, 70 millimeter. It started to ship uh, to lift up, um, and 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 um, so you can see the faults in 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 the floor of the, of that wall of that floor. Um, then again, uh, photograph 36. Um, due to the significant deflection of the floor below, um, major. Uh, cracks started to form in the masonry walls. Um, and you can see there, um, the photos on the right, the extent of, of cracks appearing in, in all those walls, um, which is clearly an indication that the floor below started to sag uh, uh, under heat conditions. Next slide, please. Uh, fourth floor. Um, again, now uh, just a reminder that the fourth floor in terms of columns and shear walls are, are carried by the floor below. So any uh, damage to that floor in terms of deflections will actually be carried through to this floor. Here again, uh, clear images of um, the uh, typical coffer slabs uh, showing um, basically delamination of the ribs uh, where, where it's starting to shear away from the rebar in that rib. 
as uh, indicated in photograph 51. Um, uh, photograph 53 also, um, if you look carefully, you will see that the uh, bottom concrete section of that coffer slab um, has got major cracks, which is a clear indication that it started to actually break away from, from the rebar. Now, the subsequent deflection uh, on that floor resulted in major horizontal cracking uh, through all the, the walls uh, of that central passage you see in the floor plan on the left. Um, we measured those cracks to be in the order of 30 millimeters, and that's basically the extent of the floor um, that actually moved um, down uh, through deflection under heat conditions. Um, and then uh, also photograph 56, um, just the extent of, of, of damage to the, to the walls due to that movement of the floor. Next slide, please. Uh, if we move up to the fifth and the sixth floor, um, you can see uh, also some damage, but uh, limited to mainly uh, plaster delamination from, from brick walls, um, not major structural um, uh, damage due to the, to the fire. Um, however, that floor with the sixth floor, which is actually the support of the, uh, for, the, for the roof uh, steel trusses on the right, um, that was very difficult to, to enter um, due to the, uh, the danger that the uh, roof structure posed to us. But uh, other than that, we, we did not find major structural damage. Uh, uh, but uh, photograph 67, it's a bit small there, apologies for that, um, clearly shows also the heat uh, resulting in the buckling of the steel roof trusses, as well as the purlins that actually supported the roof covering material. Um, and I think the aerial image also showed um, the extent of, of damage to, to the uh, steel roof structure. Thank you. Next slide, please. Um, I think the chairperson and members, just again, some aerial footage of, of the roof. Again, emphasis on, on uh, making safe in terms of um, removing the loose material um, so that uh, it does not pose any danger um, to anybody. Um, then next slide, please. <laughs> Chairperson uh, and members, if we look at the um, overall uh, assessment findings and our recommendations coming from, coming from this first phase um, to make a pronouncement on, on the structures, um, we did not then um, see any risk of collapse, immediate collapse of these buildings. Um, and our structural pronouncement was that the investigations by the Hawks and Fire Forensics can continue. Um, but uh, the report did make, uh, did, uh, make sp specific um, recommendations of how that should be done, and I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, the uh, findings indicated that the concrete structures in the National assemblies from floor second to uh, the sixth floor, um, uh, the damage is quite uh, significant due to the, um, heat, the, the fire. Um, and, and I think you've seen it for yourself through the photos that we um, uh, displayed. Um, if we then look at the safety measures, it's obviously in order for the Hawks then to enter these areas um, in terms of uh, potential um, uh, hazards for them to conduct the investigations, we um, declared uh, the areas uh, in, in three particular uh, safety zones, uh, green being safe zones, they can enter those areas 
um, on their own. Um, we, we didn't identify amber zones, which requires some guidance by our structural engineers um, just to actually point out potential hazards while they conduct the investigations. And then the red uh, zones, um, uh, uh, we refer that as no-go areas at all due to the uh, imminent um, uh, potential uh, hazards that can, can be expected uh, due to potential structural um, failures on, on, on those particular areas. Um, then the, the report also made uh, recommendations as to the making safe of which I've spoken to on the old assembly as to some walls on, on the exterior as well as the gable end uh, that needs some uh, immediate bracing and also to immediately provide roof coverings to cause um, uh, further damage to the lower floors, floors in the event of rain. Um, and then on the making safe uh, on the National Assembly is the roof debris that I also spoke to. Um, and um, uh, we will later on report on, on the um, process for that. Next slide, please. Um, I think the chairperson and the members, uh, these are the um, various safety zones as, as mentioned. Um, if you look at the ground floor, it's um, uh, the, the amber zones are limited to the, to the inside of the chamber, and this is because of the potential hazard of still um, falling debris uh, coming from, from the floor above due to the extensive spalling of concrete on, on the um, uh, floors ahead. Um, so um, we, we basically guided the hawks in those areas um, uh, depending on where they wanted to be uh, you know, in terms of the investigation. If we move to the first floor, and this is now a double volume, um, of importance here is the fact that the um, uh, floor underneath the second floor, close, close, very close to the speaker's podium. Um, due to the fact that the speaker's podium had um, uh, quite a high um, extent of wood, timber wood, and that wood was actually very high up, uh, very close to the bottom of the second floor, uh, and, and hence the damage to that second floor in that particular vicinity was um, uh, extremely significant. Um, we deemed that area to be a red zone, um, and that was uh, uh, basically uh, demarcated uh, so the hawks and other forensic investigators cannot enter those areas due to the significant uh, structural damage in, in that particular area. Um, I think these images will also start to give a heat map of, of where um, major structural damage occurred um, in this particular building. Next slide, please. Um, if we then look at the second floor, again, yeah, that's the chamber um, where you would have seen significant uh, damage in terms of the focus that we, that we uh, presented. Um, and we declared um, most of that area in the central core area of this floor as um, uh, uh, high, high risk areas, uh, meaning red zones and no-go areas at all, um, with a section of the chamber uh, and, uh, and amber area. Um, and, and that area can be uh, entered by the Hawks and Forensics uh, with the guidance of our structural engineers. Um, and then on the third floor, very much the same picture, um, certain areas, um, uh, no-go areas with, with the amber area again in the chamber uh, due to the possibility of dislodging of uh, loose concrete uh, 
debris from, from, from above or from the adjacent walls. In that particular area, that wall um, was the, um, was the um, concern for us that could collapse in, into the chamber um, while the, the investigations um, are being conducted. Hence, we, we declared it as a no-go. If we move on. Uh, for floor, just as a, a, a very small area, which we deemed to be high risk, and we de uh, declared that as a no-go area. Um, but for the remainder, it's all green. And the fifth floor is basically amber. And, and the reason being is that the loose uh, uh, debris from the roof may, under any wind conditions, dislodge and, and, and come down onto, onto that particular floor while investigations are proceeding. Um, I think, Chairperson um, and members, uh, what is quite clear from, from, from these drawings is that the green areas are showing actually the extent uh, um, around uh, the building, uh, where the core area is, is mainly the focus area as to, as to the damage, uh, structural damage of, of significance. Thank you. If we can move on. Um, Chairperson members, um, these are typically how we um, demarcated the no-go areas, the red zones. Initially, we felt that we should put up physical barriers um, because the hawks did indicate to us that they would be using K9 dogs, um, and, and those dogs would not be on leash, leashes, and we were scared that the dogs would run into these areas followed by investigators, um, and that could pose uh, some major safety, safety risk. Um, but in, in our liaison with the walks, um, they were quite concerned about physical barriers disturbing evidence, and hence they agreed that uh, we can just use safety tape with some sort of a, a sign. Um, so we have uh, obviously inducted them, uh, and they did keep the dogs on, 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 on leashes. So um, hence we, we could actually follow this particular method in, in demarcating these high-risk areas. Thank you. Next slide. Madam Chair and members, if we then look at the progress to date, um, uh, Kuga did uh, compile and uh, submit a draft report on the 22nd of February. We were given five working days from our appointment and the handover of the building on the 14th of February uh, to present such a report. Um, and the reason why it, it's, it's, it's not yet final um, is the fact that we encountered some water in the basement, which I'll come to. Um, uh, the Report findings and recommendations were presented to the acting DG on uh, the 23rd of February. Um, also, the minister uh, asked us for a similar presentation, and that was done on the 25th of February. Um, from, from, from the meetings with the acting DG on the 23rd, we, as a collective between DPWI and, and CDC, we agreed that um, uh, due to the number of um, recommendations, um, we will actually uh, compile an action register that is still ongoing as we become aware of any other activities and um, uh, that action register is um, basically uh, revised and immediately issued. Um, that action register shows clearly responsibilities, timelines, etc. We'll show you typically how uh, we, uh, that is managed. Um, 
Subsequent to the uh, draft report, uh, it was evident uh, or, or it became very uh, clear that there's additional services required to implement certain of the recommendations from the port. Kuga uh, then provided cost proposal for that um, in order for us to activate the, the services. Um, and on the 4th of March, um, uh, TPWI responded back in terms of uh, certain services that CDC should actually proceed with as part of our initial scope uh, pertaining to the scope of services that the ACMIN TG uh, presented. Next slide, please. Um, then with regard to the um, uh, delay in finalizing the draft, the, the, the final report for phase one, which is the initial assessment. Um, due to the water that we have actually um, discovered in the lower basement um, on the 16th of February, um, initially we, we um, smelled some gas. We then called in the fire department. And as we uh, started to investigate uh, the, 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 the smell of this gas, uh, by accident, we actually uh, came across uh, that the lower basement has, has has been flooded. At that time, it was the water level was close to um, the door level of the door leading into that particular area. Um, then the uh, Department of Public Works they were notified of such and they started with immediate um, extraction of that um, by by using ten thousand liter trucks. Now uh, in in uh, looking at the timeframes for extraction, um, that particular method was not cost effective and it was not uh, time effective as well. We then approached the city of Cape Town. We met them on the 25th of February um, with the fire department, DPWI and the, the DPWI uh, contractor uh, to look at other alternatives um, and, and also to seek permission from the city of Cape Town to basically discharge that water into the municipal sewer system. Um, the, the city of Cape Town extracted their own samples of the water, um, to, uh, which was sent to a laboratory to determine if it's toxic or, or uh, contaminated. Um, unfortunately, those results took some time and they also had to liaise with various engineering departments. And only on the 19th of March, um, the city of Cape Town actually issued a permit to TPWI for us to actually discharge into uh, the sewer system. Um, so there we had some extensive delay due to that process we had to follow. Um, the DPWI then started um, with um, uh, uh, setting up the term contractor uh, to actually uh, carry out uh, this work. Um, the, the permit conditions were, were, were um, very much um, uh, spelled out by the city of Cape Town in terms of the rate of discharge, um, the um, discharge of, of the water after peak hours, meaning from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So those conditions had to be adhered to. Um, the term contractor of DPWI started to, to, to mobilize and uh, on the 26th of March, and the actual pumping out of the water only started at the, uh, in the evening of the 29th. I can report to date uh, they have already pumped out close to 1.4 million, million liters of water. Um, then as soon as that water has been successfully extracted, then the city team will go back into those areas. We will finalize our physical assessment of the, of the structure. Those findings will be incorporated into the 
uh, the report, and then only will we be able to uh, issue the final report, uh, concluding on uh, phase one, the initial assessment of our appointment. Thank you. Next slide. Um, this is just pictures of the contractor setting up his plant uh, to start to extract the water in the lower basement. Next slide. Um, Madam Chair and members, this is the extent of water as of uh, the 26th of March. You can see there a typical doors two meters in height. Uh, on that particular day, um, we measured the, the, the water uh, to be close to 1.7, uh, given the, um, the depth inside uh, the picture you see. Um, therefore, we calculated that the estimated volume to extract is close to 4.1 million liters of water. Um, and as I've already mentioned, the permit had specific conditions. Um, so we limited in terms of the, uh, the period we can pump. And as mentioned, we have now pumped over a quarter of that volume. And we expect that to be done by early next week. Next slide, please. Um, with, with regard to progress by the Hawks and Fire Forensics, um, the uh, Hawks and the Fire Forensics team um, has been inducted by the, by the CTC team in terms of the um, safety risk pertaining to the findings and the recommendations of, of the report on the 24th of February. Um, we had subsequent inductions as well because the entire team could not uh, uh, attend this particular induction at a time. Um, then the uh, CDC proceeded to demarcate the red zones. Um, uh, as you've seen in, in the picture earlier, we completed that work, work on, on, the, on the 4th of March. And we then, uh, through official correspondence, notified the Department of Public Works um, that uh, on the 5th of March, that correspondence was issued, that the, the Hawks and uh, investigators can actually proceed with their work as from Monday, the 7th of March. Um, and then the Hawks initially indicated to us that they will complete the investigation by today, the 1st of April. Um, and um, next slide, please. Um, as already mentioned, the uh, CDC structural team guided and accompanied the walks and other investigators through throughout um, uh, into the amber zones uh, due to the access into the red zones had to notify us and depending on the exact uh, positions they wanted to enter. Um, the um, CDC team would provide special support structures in order for them to actually um, uh, get up to that particular point of where they want to um, extract any evidence. Um, fortunately, that was not required. Um, the Hawks indicated to us they only wanted access into two particular red zones and um, not bringing in a full team, only a uh, particular uh, member of the in investigation. And therefore, uh, there was no need for providing any uh, access support structures. Um, I can confirm that the Hawks informed Public Works that on the 29th of March, they uh, concluded the investigations and they, and, and they are in the process of handing back the building to DPWI, as the Minister reported. Next slide, please. Um, with regard to other safety and health risks we've identified uh, throughout the, the um, 
course of this particular uh, assessment. Um, we have been in informed that apparently there's a freeze in the basement with, uh, which contain fish and meat. Um, we are concerned that by now that would be rotten and that could cause actually serious health risks. So that was just a, a flagging potential risk to TPWI. Um, the engineers did report uh, due to the standing water and darkness that there's huge bringing of mosquitoes, but the uh, contractor dealing with the extraction of water is taking care of that particular safety concern. Um, then again, uh, lately we have again um, smell uh, a gas. Uh, it's like a rotten egg smell. Um, it was detected right up to the fourth floor. Um, we believe it could be H2S, which is a hydrogen uh, sulfide. Um, it's highly flammable, um, but we did agree that after extraction of the water and if the, the, the smell is still evident in, in the building, we will engage the City of Cape Town Fire Department to help us with uh, some air sampling in order to determine if this gas is potentially hazardous or not, and then we'll deal with any mitigation thereof. Um, then a um, action item is obviously the basement pump. We believe the National Semi had the pump to deal with groundwater ingress. So, so part of this flooding is caused by water ingress as well as the water used in blazing the fire. Now that is highly contaminated due to uh, that water getting in touch with everything that burned. Um, so um, once extracted, um, the, the basement pump will have to be reinstated immediately uh, through the supply of temporary power um, so that the ingress of further uh, groundwater can be dealt with. Otherwise, uh, this particular uh, lower basement will just flood again. Um, then the loose debris material on the roof, as mentioned already, that will require immediate uh, attention. Um, so there's no danger of persons on the precinct or along government avenue at the back um, uh, if, if that should blow off. Thank you. Next slide. Uh, Madam Chair and members, this is typically our action register. You, could, you will see here uh, we've already uh, closed some of them. Um, of importance for the old assembly building uh, is items 1 to 1.3 to 1 1.8. Um, this involved basically uh, already what I've mentioned as the making safe um, um, work that uh, must be carried out immediately. Um, uh, of, of importance is the item 1.8, because as soon as the remainder of the building, which has not been affected by fire, um, if the uh, fire damage area um, can be isolated, then the, the remainder of the building can, can be restored in terms of services. And, and those areas, after uh, carrying out some repairs to water damage and smoke damage, then the, the, the building, the, 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 the remainder of that building can actually be reoccupied uh, and, and put back in use. Thank you. Next slide. Uh, if we move over to the new assembly, um, quite a number of action items. Um, uh, of importance here is obviously, uh, and of critical importance is item 2.1, the extraction of water. And then for us, in terms of item 2.2 and 2.3, um, to uh, finalize our physical assessments and complete our report. Um, and then um, uh, in terms of making safe, uh, those are covered in terms of item 2.7 and 2. up to 2.9. Um, and that's the uh, loose material and uh, pre prevention of any rainwater entering the building, which may also cause, uh, again, uh, flooding of the lower basement. Next slide, please. 
Um, of importance here um, is items 214 up to 217. Um, and that is just the handback of the building from the walks to TPWI uh, and then back to CDC. So we can then um, commence with the second phase, which I'll come to just now. And then the, um, the gas uh, smell that we detected um, and then uh, which came out uh, at the meeting on Wednesday between Parliament, uh, DPWI, SAPS and, and uh, uh, Parliament Protection Services is the immediate erection of a 1.8 meter uh, high hoarding right around the, uh, the building uh, to demarcate it off and, and, and for security reasons uh, to prevent any access uh, by any person into the building due to the safety concerns because um, uh, it was previously under the control of the walks. It was well demarcated with, with, um, uh, with fencing. Um, so that will be actioned by DBWI um, soon. Um, then 2.17 is also uh, a, a resolution from the meeting of Wednesday to reinstate and reactivate the CCTV surveillance cameras uh, at the back of the National Assembly. Um, so they, they are footage of any unauthorized un access into the building. Thank you. Next slide. Um, Jefferson and members, if we look at the program for concluding the phase one um, and two, and then proceed with the phase two as per our scope of services, um, on completion of the investigations now by our walks and, and, and the investigators um, and on handing back the building to, to the CDC, we will then actually um, and, uh, continue with the um, assessment of the um, lower basement floors. That's also subject to the extraction of the water. Um, in terms of this Gantt uh, chart, um, we do expect that the extraction um, would be finished by today. Unfortunately, we're not going to make that date. Um, therefore, it will run over uh, into next week. Uh, we believe the contractor will uh, continue with the extraction over the weekend. Uh, and by early next week, um, uh, that work will be completed in order for us then to um, uh, carry out our rema remaining uh, assessment of those flaws um, and then uh, to, for us to complete our report. Um, so we expect that to be finalized by the end of next week. Um, if we move on to the next slide. Um, the next slide is actually covering the second phase. Now, the second phase is the detailed assessment. Um, this will then also um, uh, determine the extent of, of, of fire damage and uh, the extent of um, uh, uh, the works that will have to be uh, carried out in terms of the restoration of, of the building. Now, this will involve a, involve a multidisciplinary team um, from uh, heritage architects, architects, uh, quantity surveyors, mechanical, electrical engineers, as well as our structural and civil engineers. Um, and um, as soon as we have got access to the building, we will obviously start to implement this particular um, process. Um, the scope of services requires us to um, complete this work in three weeks time. Unfortunately, we are faced with a number of public holidays in the month of April. Therefore, if you subtract five days from the 21 days, it, it, it's, it, it takes you back to the three weeks. So we do envisage that our final report will be issued in the first week of May 
to the Department of Public Works. That uh, report will also, as the acting DG mentioned, um, uh, provide a cost estimate of um, the, what it will cost to actually restore this building. Thank you. Next slide. I think, Chairperson and members, in summary, um, obviously um, it's the making safe of the old assembly building. Um, it's also then um, the uh, reinstating of the building as soon as possible for reoccupancy by then addressing the uh, damage caused by water and, and smoke. Um, it's the removal of the water in the National Assembly Basin for us to then conclude on the initial uh, phase one report. Um, we need to deal with the gas in the National Assembly because that could put potential cause hazard for us uh, to, to enter back into that building to, to conduct our, uh, our phase two. Um, the Hawks and Fire Forensics, as mentioned, they have now completed the investigations and therefore the phase two can commence um, subject to the gas issue. Um, then the making safe of the National Assembly in terms of fire damage, that's limited at this point in time to the, to the roof debris. Um, and then um, we envisage the phase two report to be submitted early in May as per our program. And then the restoration project um, in terms of the two buildings, um, that will commence as soon as uh, TPWI uh, registered the, 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 the project in terms of the internal um, processes. Um, I think that is it from my side. Thank you, Chairperson. And, uh, Members, if I can hand back to the acting DG, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Christo. Uh, Chairperson, through you, we want to recognize the uh, cooperation of the city of Cape Town in coming to our assistance and enabling us to take this faster route in pumping the uh, water from the basement directly into the sewage system. Uh, we also want to confirm that uh, the Hawks have handed the building back to us. And in fact, we've engaged the, the head of the Hawks. They will be reducing that to writing. But the building still remains a national key point that doesn't change. And it's also a national priority investigation. So we need to handle the building with care and not uh, contaminate any evidence or any area under investigation. So we need to continue our cooperation with the Hawks. With respect to the pumping of the water referred to in item 2.1 and chairperson and members of the joint committee, We've been informed in the last few minutes that the pumping is proceeding very well. They're working mainly at night in order to allow normal uh, business to continue during the day and load the system at night. The pumping is going very well, and apparently the water level has already dropped by one meter, and they estimate they're about 50% through, and that's only in the last few nights. So uh, there's a positive end in sight, and we also like to thank uh, Kucha for the pragmatic measures that they have uh, uh, recommended to us very cost-effective measures uh, that enable the investigations to commence and uh, thank them for their work. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. I think we conclude the presentation at this point. Thank you very much. Um, Minister, is there anything that you would like to further add on the on the presentation? Uh, yes, yes, Honorable Chairperson. Um, as a DPWI, in terms of all, of all the tasks that we must carry out, 
Uh, we are in the process of developing an action plan with clear dates. And um, once we report back to the speaker again, maybe in a week's time, we will share that progress also with the speaker. But I also just want to thank Kuka for their professionalism and, and, and the way they have tackled this under very difficult and dangerous circumstances. And, and we really want to commend them for that. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, uh, Minister. Madam Speaker, is there anything you'd like to add before we can start engaging? Nothing, Chairperson. Uh, uh, I think I will forever shower praises on, on the team which has been doing this work. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Um, members, um, there we have it. This is work in progress. And I think the, the last words from the minister is that they will then have to go draft a, an, a, an action plan, which will then come up with clear timeframes. Uh, it will also assist us to understand exactly uh, when will they end with this, uh, with this uh, 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 big project. Um, you know, when they say that uh, there's nothing destroys like fire, it is indeed uh, what I've just seen now. You know, that beautiful building, it's all gone. Yeah. Members, um, it is work in progress. I want you to please um, try to keep it as short as possible. Remember, this is just investigations that will then prepare for uh, the work ahead. Um, there might not be uh, responses to other questions. I don't want to preempt that uh, they might not be able to respond to other questions, but it is clear uh, that uh, um, other areas are still not yet open. So it, it is just a, a, a information sharing you know, uh, as to what happened since then until now. And we, we appreciate the work, uh, the work done by the department and the, and the KUHA, um, the company that they, they have uh, appointed uh, to assist them. Um, I think just to improve on your presentation, you need to name the building according to their names you know parliament it, it, it has got uh, it parliament buildings has names it's e21 uh, second floor new wing and please if you can just master that in your presentation then it will make people to understand exactly you know when you say second floor which part of second floor are you referring to when you say ground floor when you say fourth floor all this even offices they have numbers um, so and and they are named uh, just to improve on your presentation. I think that is what is lacking. Otherwise, it is quite a good and and promising uh, report. Um, we also take note that the the Hawks has not yet um, handed over the building to public works uh, because of uh, it is still a crime scene. But it looks like we are going towards a phase whereby a stage whereby uh, the building will be officially handed over to public works. Um, 
I think two things for me is that um, at the beginning of the presentation, you have mentioned that uh, you are going to apply the national treasury deviation. What does that really mean um, in terms of following the prescribed proper uh, tender processes? Uh, and then also, if you follow the national treasury deviation uh, uh, process, what does it mean? How will people then access uh, information? And the, the other issue that strikes me, I apologize, I'm not a an engineer, is that you said you wanted to erect a temporary roof. I think that was in slide 28. Um, I'm not sure if we really need that. Um, I'm also looking at the extensive of the damage. You know, are you going to break walls or you're going to build on what is existing and try and save as much as you can? I think as we go forward, then those are the things that can be more clearer uh, for us and the public, of course, to know really what 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 is going to, to happen uh, going forward. Members, this is your report. I'm going to allow you to ask questions. Uh, let us also remember that uh, the report will not uh, did not touch on criminal acts or any part of the investigation. It's a separate issue. This is just about construction and uh, the findings on the on the damages. Cindy will help me to identify hands. Remember to switch on your camera to also identify yourself the house that you are representing and the portfolio committee. I'm taking hands now, members, over to you. Um, yes, Chair, I've got a list. Um, I've got um, Member Graham-Marie, Member Hicklin, um, Mr. Swart, um, uh, Ms. Um, Guahube, Member Otwe, Mr. Sheikh Imam, and Mr. Hadebe. Only those seven for now, Chair. Okay. In that order, members. Thank you, Chairperson. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. I'm not going to put my camera on because I'm traveling and I'm worried about my signal. Um, thank you, Chair. My name is Samantha Gray-Marie. I'm a member of the National Assembly and I serve on the Portfolio Committee of Public Works and Infrastructure. I just have a couple of questions. Um, in response to a question um, from the Minister on the 11th of March, 2022, um, with respect to the Kuka, um project, the Minister confirmed that the CDC will not be considered for any work that it is currently implementing, as there would be a conflict of interest and it would be defeating the competitive process. Now on slide 31 and slide 40, the CDC submitted a cost proposal for additional services for making safe buildings and other additional services. This has been approved. CDC were appointed through an expedited um, procurement process. So I'd like to know how the scope of work has increased and the competitive process has been avoided. Also, what is the value of the additional costs and how does this not present a conflict of interest or defeat the competitive process? Um, then I'd also like to know if we know what the, what the additional costs already incurred are with respect to the term contractor, and are we keeping separate records of these costs so that we can measure the extent of the financial implications of this fire? 
And then just finally, um, one of the biggest problems we had in terms of the BDO report with respect to work being done on the parliamentary precinct was access for contractors um, that created um, a lot of time delays and a lot of extensions of time. Is there any way that Parliament is going to work together with the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure to ensure ease of access for anybody working on the on the parliamentary precinct with respect to the fire? Thank you very much. Let's follow the list that uh, Cindy has uh, appointed. Can we follow the list, members, or do you want Cindy to read the list again? No, I'm fine with that, Chair. It's Madeleine sure. Bicklin, also, also from the National Assembly, also from the DPWI. Uh, again, my signal is, is bad in Acacia Park at the moment. I'm using the dongle, so I'm not putting my, my camera on. Mine was also relating to the, um, procurement, pro the procurement problems that we have had in the past with companies getting access um, even in emergency situations, as was stated by my colleague, um, Honorable Graham Marais, in terms of being able to get access immediately without having to have conflicting and delayed access. But she covered me very adequately. We just need to make sure that there is no um, deviations and we have no um, Overspending, are we keeping a very tight rein on this, please, uh, Minister Delal, as we have, as, as has been indicated in the BDO report, one of the problems that we have had in the DPWI is cost overruns and time overruns due to extensions that have been granted on contracts. That's just a major concern for me. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Chair Swartia. I'm a member of the National Assembly and a member of the Justice Committee. With your permission, I'd like to turn the camera off also due to connection issues. Very briefly, I want to thank the Speaker for and, and the Minister of Public Works for the briefing. It's very extensive. The issues around procurement uh, have been covered by colleagues that I was also going to raise. So just the, the, very briefly then, well, I really appreciate the presentations, but I'm just a bit concerned about the points 2.7, 2.8, 2.9, where the immediate dangers are highlighted. Um, the immediate removal of loose roof sheeting and other roof debris at the risk of blowing away due to high winds and falling in the precinct and government avenue. And I'm really appreciative of the contractors, um, CDC, highlighting these issues. But the challenge is the, the start is after the Hawks investigation. Now, surely that needs to be attended to immediately because it risks an imminent danger to people that are in the vicinity. I walk around the, the area outside the cordon and it's very important now that members of the, of the public who might be walking up the gardens of remembrance maybe the suggestion should be to cordon off areas where there is an imminent danger. Cape Town's notorious for very high winds, and I think that is an issue which we would probably need to address um, quite urgently. But I would maybe just like to get an understanding, because if it indicates after the Hawks investigation, one would trust that the fact that the, some of the building has been given back, that that immediate 
action can be taken in that regard. I also understand the need for a temporary roof structure given the heavy rains that are experienced in the Western Cape at this time. One doesn't want to have more damage, particularly to the old assembly area. And then I'm not sure, uh, Minister uh, Delors, if you are able, I know an issue which we've grappled with with the speaker, with the Chief Whips Forum, is to what degree can parts of the building be used at all? One can obviously look at the NCOP wing, which is largely unscathed. Um, then, obviously, the areas relating to the old assembly are, could be accessible. Obviously, they would need work done there, but the issue relates to venues that parliamentarians can use. I understand that will be difficult with ongoing investigations, but thank you, Chair for the indulgence. I don't want to be too long. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. My name is Sivua uh, Kwahube. I'm the Deputy Chief Work for the Democratic Alliance. Uh, just a couple of questions from my side. Uh, I just want to understand, it's really mostly a clarity-seeking questions because of obviously of the highly technical nature of the presentation that we received. Um, the one it really pertains to, I've seen the, um, the sort of the timeline that the department and the, the and Guha have developed around what will happen when. But I do want to understand perhaps for my own orientation, uh, at what extent, what structural components will tell the experts whether or not a building or a structure can be refurbished? I ask this because in the presentation, there were a number of uh, red areas and orange areas and green areas. Uh, and it seemed as though where there are red areas, it means obviously there can be no access by any of the engineers and any of the people who are needing to do work. And in some of the orange areas, there's also restricted access to there. So I just want, again, for my own orientation, and the reason why I asked this, Chair, is because, of course, we've got to now... Um, in a separate process from this, start to determine how Parliament starts to get back to work and whether or not we must explore different avenues about how we can get back to work in earnest and in a physical form. And this has been discussed in other fora, which I don't necessarily want to bring in here, but I think it is relevant in that at what extent is there a scale that uh, the experts use in terms of determining this is, to, this is the extent to which we can refurbish. This is the extent to which we cannot refurbish. And therefore, we, we, we suggest this. Um, and, and so at what extent, how does that happen? What, what process does that look like? And, um, and in the phase two, are we, may, are, we, are we likely going to see some kind of determination as to whether or not we can start to, to, to salvage some parts of, of, of the National Assembly or some parts of Parliament in the, in the report that's expected in the beginning of May. Like, as I said, it's, a, it's been a very useful report because I think it will guide us in the other discussions that we are having about whether or not we need alternative venues, when we can start to see timelines in, in this process. And then the... Okay, and then the other the other question that I have 
uh, I wanted, again, my own clarity and my own orientation. Uh, the presenter did indicate that the building has now, and I'm not entirely sure which building it was, and, and, and perhaps Honorable Mabe, this is what you were referring to. Uh, they did indicate that the building had now been handed over by the Hawks uh, to, I, th I think, all, uh, to public works or to, to for work. And what does then that mean? Does that then mean that the process now rests with public works to begin work on it? And and so is, is it public works now, apart from the investigation, that we can start to expect to see timelines from in terms of determining the extent of damage and the cost and the like? Um, and then the, the last question uh, that I is the, the 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 cost implications thus far? It's unclear um, as to whether or not this has been to the cost of public works only. Uh, so, if I can perhaps minister, I think this is perhaps just for you. Uh, at, at whose cost has the work that's been done already? Um, at whose cost is it? And and how does the cost sharing work? Because of course, I know that there are multiple players here. Um, that converge all at once. And so perhaps if you can, again, for our own orientation, explain to which, you know, from, from when does public work start and end and when do, you know, the work of parliament, the work of SAPS or whatever else the case may be. I think it's also just useful, again, for the other discussions we're having about the cost of, you know, alternative venues, you know, to factor that in. Because of course, if parliament is already incurring costs, then it will factor in and will be able to guide us when we discuss how to best start and begin the work of parliament going forward. Those are the only questions. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, can I come in, Sheikh Imam? Or is there someone before me? It's Mautwe before you. Okay. It's, okay, it's Mautwe. Thank you. Present. This is. It's Mautwe. It's before you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Hello, Mautwe. Mautwe. I'm recognizing. Yes. All right. Thank. Thank you very much, Chair. Chair, you know this committee is a very important committee of Parliament. And quite often we come here, we ask questions and you never get responses. So I want to register that complaint that we don't get responses. And unfortunately, there's nowhere else where we can get responses unless if we then write letters to the speaker. So when we come here and we ask questions, can they be responded to? Because we are all here to work, we're all here to understand, we're all here to give clarity. Uh, on this very important um, issue. Now, the first one is that there's been, on the presentation, there are areas that are highlighted to be of a safety concern. And uh, there's no recommendation that comes from the presentation. So I, I would want Madam Speaker and maybe the Secretary, Secretary of Parliament to really have a look at, at those safety issues, the, the, the debris that are on the roof and on the fifth floor, that is a very serious uh, safety issue that not only will affect members of parliament within the precinct, but it will also affect those that are outside. You do know that Cape Town is a very windy um, city, so we can't take it for granted. So 
I think as a matter of agency, we need to, to look into that. And then the second thing is that we need to understand the scope of DPWI, Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, because at the end of the presentation, they are saying that the restoration project for both buildings will commence as soon as the internal process um, has been completed. Where do they get the mandate that we are going to restore uh, the apartheid legacy? So I, I think their scope needs to be clearly defined so that they don't go beyond what their scope entails. I thought that the scope at the moment is to investigate the cause of the fire. But if they are now already planning on the next phase, they're even telling us as members of parliament, we are hearing from a service provider that they are, they are, the restoration project will start. There's never such a resolution that we're going to start that. And on the same note, uh, Chair, I want to register it here that as the EFF, we wrote a letter to the acting secretary to understand how far is the report of the Pamoja, Pamoja report that contract that was sought to conduct a feasibility study on the relocation of parliament to Tuan. And we do understand that Pamoja Capital Group submitted the report to Parliament. And the letter from the acting secretary says that because there's a new leadership, new executive authority, they need some time to work on it. But Mam Mabisa was elected to be speaker a long time ago. So how long does it take for the speaker to go through this report? Because we want this report tabled so that we know where we stand. Otherwise, we're going to be shocked with statements like this one that says, we plan to restore the apartheid legacy. There's no such thing. It's not going to happen. We're not restoring any apartheid legacy here. We want the, this thing. We appreciate where it is, but we also need in this committee the report to be presented of the relocation of parliament to twine. How far is it? What needs to happen? So that we can know that we are working towards uh, achieving that. That will be it for now, Chair, on my side. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. It's Shaky Mom. I guess it's my turn. Thank check, you very much. Shaky Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Just thank hold. you, Chairperson. Just, yeah. just hold. Just hold, Member yes. Shake. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Because you are not on, on the initial list. Just hold. Um, Becky was to follow, but Becky has got a network problem. Uh, Member Becky, Hadebe, please get a better spot so that you should be audible enough uh, when you get your chance to speak. I'm going to, Cindy, yes, are, yes. There any are there any further hands from the first list that we appointed? Yes, Chair, from the first list, we have member Shaky Mom left. Shake, and, yes. And then the only, the only additional one is Mr. Kaiso. Kaiso. Yes, and then Mr. Hadebe okay. will have difficulty. Yes, Mr. Hadebe will be the last. Uh, please, Mr. Hadebe, if you can hear me, get a better spot. It's going to be uh, Member Sheikh now and then Kaiso. Members, if possible, will only take uh, only one set of questions, allow the department to respond. Uh, Member Mauto already has complained that we don't get uh, answers, but... Um, We'll try also not to ask questions that um, will be difficult uh, enough for the department to respond to at this moment. But if members feel that uh, 
questions are not responded to adequately, nothing stops you from doing them in writing and also formally launching your complaint with the speaker. So I'm going to take member Sheikh, followed by member Kaiso. And member Khadebe, you'll be the last one. I hope uh, this will only be the first and last round of questions. Thank you. Sheikh? Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, first of all, allow me to welcome the report and thank those in the role that they have played to come thus far. I think what is not clear yet, and although we know that the restoration process is going to start sometimes in May, I'd like an estimate as to what period of time we are expecting this to take to restore. And more importantly, whether taking into consideration the extent of the damage uh, in some buildings, whether it would be better to rebuild or to restore. But what is important is this, by, you know, we've just heard that this restoration is going to start sometimes in May. And I'm concerned, you know, what due processes of procurement have been followed if this has already been decided and we're only getting a report now on the extent of the damages. And will it then, like my other colleagues have raised concerns about a conflict of interest, is it the same organizations now, in my understanding, who is busy with these reports that have provided this with us, that is now going to be responsible for the restoration? Certainly, where is the process that we're supposed to follow, which is supposed to be credible and transparent and give everybody an opportunity? You talk about the old assembly building. Uh, lower floors, uh, you say, that can be used. If you can just elaborate a little bit on that, when you say lower floors, like the chairperson said, if you could be a bit specific and give it. I'm asking this because I am one of them that has been affected in the old assembly building on the fourth floor in any event. So that's one of the reasons why I'm asking them. Chairperson, there's a whole lot of questions, but I think uh, the purposes of time, and I know people are it's a later Friday afternoon, uh, we'll allow the others uh, 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 to continue. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Chair, can you please allow me not to switch on my video? I'm on the road traveling. Chair? That's fine, Member Kaiso. Okay. No, thank you very much, uh, Chair. And uh, let me also uh, appreciate the presentation that has been made by the team uh, from the ministry and, uh, and also appreciate the progress work that has been uh, reported before this committee. Uh, Chair, I don't have many, with, uh, many issues to raise. Uh, I just want to check just simple one first. Is there any or are there any items recoverable for which belongs to the members uh, as, as, as a team or different people are making entries to the building that are, you know, of, uh, I mean, very recoverable, valuables? that have been identified for members, because some members have been asking this question. Look, uh, some of us were this and that and that, but then th is there anything that then deal with that thing so that 
it doesn't arise so if it arises then it means there is a process that the department itself has worked out how to identify whatever that is of value to the members in their respective offices especially where a damage has not actually you know uh, dealt with the contents inside there of which are of value to the members if the answer is yes then it will mean there should be a process that would then uh, be identified so that those things are identified and how to dispose them so that to those you know, different offices where, I mean, fire has not really done a, 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 a severe damage or has left some identifiable uh, items. Secondly, is uh, I just want to, I don't want to dwell too much on, on the issue of the relocation of the office because it's a matter that we have long said it, it, it is a matter that is in the constitution, so it's determined by the constitution. So I don't want to do uh, bother myself there. So <clears throat> now I just want to check. Uh, uh, there is, the, it seemed as if at the beginning there was a temptation not to, uh, you know, have this meeting uh, uh, open and declared a closed meeting by the minister. I just want to understand from the minister what really informed that particular temptation because a parliament work is a, there's we, 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 as a parliamentary committee we don't convene a, a, a secret meeting of public so we will we'll definitely uh, have to communicate and be transparent so I don't know uh, what informed uh, that temptation you know I think it's very important to, to understand that so that we, we, we begin there, so that we correct some of the things that uh, are not supposed to happen uh, to us as a committee uh, when serving the public. Yeah, thank you very much, Honorable uh, Chair. Member Khadebe, Cindy, are there any other, uh, further hands? No, there aren't, Chair. Okay, no. Member Khadebe, were you able to get a better spot? Honorable Kaiso, please lower your hand. Member Khadebe, Becky Khadebe. Becky Khadebe. I don't see Member Khadebe on the platform. Hey, Mr. Khadebe is not on the platform at the moment. Okay, no, it's fine. Then we pass. Member Lisoma. Uh, good afternoon, uh, uh, honorable co-chairs and uh, minister and, and honorable speaker and colleagues. Uh, I, I think I've been covered, Chair, uh, but only safe to say, having given me a chance, is to appreciate the, the status in terms of the progress and uh, one also understand in terms of segmentation of the damage and other processes that needs to take place. However, the, uh, just for emphasis uh, uh, sake, Chair, is this transparency in terms of who, what processes have we followed in terms of uh, identifying the service providers and also uh, an ever-moving uh, course in terms of uh, 
the scope of the work also, we must ensure that there's nothing that will undermine the policies and the procurement policies and treasury regulations in terms of doing that work. But also, if we, in, in the near future, in the engagement of this sort, we can get a, a, a total figure thus far that has been spent vis-a-vis what is potential. I know it will, it will be a lengthy work to do that in terms of assessment and have a, a, a fixed estimation. If we can get that, uh, and I'm sure the speaker and the minister also then will see who then foot the bill in terms of the actual restoration, because in terms of the uh, the the national key point is nevertheless wherever it doesn't matter we still have to to refurbish the the building or restore the building let me say that so that one in terms of the laws also we still have to do that one but also we should separate the process of restoration and the possibilities of having an alternate venue and so forth thank you very much Jane. but i appreciate the presentation thank you Thank you very much, uh, honorable members. I will now hand over to the executive authorities um, through the speaker. If there are questions that you would like to respond to, if there are questions uh, directed to parliament, uh, and then also invite the minister to also advise on how are they going to respond to, to questions. Speaker first. Over to you if there are questions you'd want to respond to. Oh, okay. It seems like speakers having difficulties. Minister, you look ready. Yes, thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Uh, Chair, I will respond to a few uh, general uh, questions. Uh, the Acting Director General will respond uh, to the uh, procurement issues, and the Kucha will respond to the technical issues. Uh, Honourable Chairperson, there are two critical points that we've made today. The one that this is a progress report and we are in phase one. And this, this was the initial phase one report, which can only be concluded once they have pumped out all the water in the basement so that KUHA can include the assessment of the basement also into their phase one report. The second point is that phase two will then start thereafter. And phase two is subject to the official handing over, and I mean in a writing, the building being handed over uh, to DPWI, so that DPWI together with KUHA can start the second phase of the assessment. We are at an assessment stage. And the projected time for finalizing the second phase of the assessment, KUHA has indicated that that will be in early May. So we are not starting any restoration in, in uh, early May. 
the second phase of the report uh, that KUHA will do for us is one, they will then, uh, in the second phase, do the estimate, uh, um, I mean, they, they, will, they will assess the extent of the damage. Then they will also assess the cost of the damage. And the third point is they will give a projected time for restoration. And it's at that point where we have to come and report back to Parliament and then come with proposals as how to take it forward after the second phase report. So I think it was also Honorable Kwahube has asked uh, the, the, the same question. Um, so we, we don't know the extent. What Kuha did report to us in terms of the, 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 the structural damages was to say that the facade of the National Assembly uh, seemed not to have been affected that much. So we are not there yet. We will have to wait for the report that will come somewhere in May 2022. And we will also share that report um, with, with the members. The other general question that I would just like to respond to uh, is uh, the issue that was raised by the EFF. Um, again, no decisions has been taken, no scope of work has been determined because we have to wait until uh, the second phase report that will give us all of those estimates. And the whole issue of moving of, of parliament I have said before, in the Constitution of South Africa, it is, now, it is stated that in able to change the seat of Parliament, it must be done through an Act of Parliament. So that constitutional obligation must first be carried out. And then it is Parliament then through an act of parliament that will decide to change the seat of parliament or to keep parliament in place. On a record, I can't find any such legislation has been put for parliament because that is really where we need to start to comply with the, the, the but I made it clear that I'm asking that question to the speaker, not to you, because I know that you've got no authority to respond to it. I know the law, but I don't know what the law says. Yeah, my I question know. was to the speaker, not to you. Yeah, I know my constitution. Thank you, honorable member. So, then the third general point that I want to make is about this issue of closed meetings. I have reported in the beginning that it is a crime scene and that we have got an agreement with the Hawks because it is a crime scene that any information related to a crime scene must be approved by the Hawks. And I made that statement right in the beginning. The Hawks has looked at the presentation of, uh, um, of Kuha and gave us permission to share this 
preliminary information with the uh, with the, the the committee. Once the walks have officially handed over this building to DPWI, then of course now DPWI can then, with the assistance of Kucha, start the work on the second phase of this. We discussed this requirement with the speaker on Tuesday the 29th when we met, and I said, speaker, this is what the Hawks made DPWI to sign in terms of any information out of a crime scene. And I explained to the speaker what, what we assigned for, and that we will go to the Hawks to go and say to them, this is the information that we are going to share with parliament. And we've done that, and the Hawks have given us permission to proceed with it. Because as uh, uh, the uh, chairperson correctly said, that they are responsible for the criminal part of the investigation. But until such time that they officially hand over the building to parliament, uh, uh, a DPWI don't have just access any way that, that, uh, that we want to. So it was just that requirement from the Hawks. It was not a requirement that the meeting be closed. And once we have approached the Hawks and the Hawks gave the go ahead, we were also able to proceed to share the information with the members of parliament. So it's absolutely not that we, we wanted a closed meeting. It was subject to the approval of, of the Hawks. Um, then I'm going to give over to Kucha to deal with the technical aspects of the honorable members' questions. And then I'm going to ask the honorable, I mean, the acting DG to, to deal with the procurement issues. I thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson? Yes, Honorable Speaker? Chairperson, may I come in? Maybe before you do that, uh, Speaker, you'll be the last to come in. Let's allow Kuha to come in so that there's a flow. Um, we don't mix you with the department and Kuha's uh, reports. You will come in lastly independently. Can we get thank you Kuha, please responding to technical issues as requested by the minister? Um, thank you, honorable speaker and honorable members. With regard to the technical questions, I think we we had uh, honorable Lesoma and Kua Kube um, asking about the, the the extent of the structure and will it be refurbished or potentially demolished. The minister is 100% correct. This phase two um, will determine that. That's part of our uh, scope of services. Um, we will assess now the uh, extent of damage, um, as the minister uh, stated, the cost thereof, and the construction time. And the the, the report will also uh, report on whether it is um, cost effective to restore or potentially demolish and rebuild. So um, I think it will be premature to report on that because we have to unfortunately still carry out that particular detailed assessment 
to determine um, at what would be the final recommendation. Um, I think that also covers to some extent the question by Honorable Sheikh uh, pertaining to whether to rebuild or restore. Um, as to the procurement process, I think DPWI can respond on that. Um, the, the speaker, I think, started off by saying um, uh, the temporary roof to the uh, alt assembly. Um, the reason for that is uh, that's just the immediate intervention uh, from our side in the event that the uh, design of a permanent roof and the construction of a permanent roof as part of the restoration of the um, uh, top floor of the alt assembly will take time. Because uh, if, if, it is, if it's going to be a prolonged process uh, to procure and, and restore that particular roof, uh, then we must make it safe. Um, and part of the making safe to reoccupy the lower floors uh, to get some uh, occupation of, of the remainder of the building will require that the, that the uh, cost-effective temporary roof be designed and constructed. Um, and so that is why we are uh, making such a recommendation. Um, the breaking out of walls, that's not required at this point in time. Um, I don't think they will, the, the, the walls as seen on the pictures, which uh, shows severe structural cracks, as part of the restoration, those walls will be uh, demolished and rebuilt. Um, so, but that's not required uh, at this point in time uh, to put up a temporary roof to safeguard the, the, the remainder of the building. Uh, I think, Chairperson uh, and Minister, I think that covered most of the, the issues, if I, from what I've recorded yes, So I trust I've addressed all the members' um, questions. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chairperson. With respect to the procurement process, our process uh, was competitive. It received the National Treasury endorsement. We received a deviation from National Treasury to allow us to um, conduct our own competitive process where we use our implementing agents to provide quotations to do the work for phase one and phase two. So the deviation allowed us to use our internal database as opposed to going out uh, to the public to invite competitive bids. Nevertheless, Treasury still required us to ensure that the bids were cost-effective and we made uh, a selection that was compliant. And uh, what transpired is that the KUHA proposal was one-third the cost of the, of, the of the competition. So it was quite competitive. In fact, I can provide the numbers that the amount is around 500,000 in total, including that for phases one and phase two. So we satisfied ourselves that we met the requirements and we've also received that confirmation from Treasury. Um, Chairperson, with respect to the issue of the scope of the work, uh, KUHA did identify additional work such as bracing for gable walls, etc. And the DPW is undertaking that work internally. So there's no cost implication uh, as a result of that recommendation. Uh, one of the colleagues made mention of that. And I want to confirm that the work being undertaken by KUHA is limited to what we've presented, phase one and phase two and it does not include any further work. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Are there any further responses from DPWI or KUHA? If not, let me invite the speaker. Sorry, Chair. Um, my sincere apologies. Swart here. Steve Swart? Just before, because I really respect the speaker. 
Are you from Kuka? No, 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 Chair. I wanted my question was not answered, and it's quite urgent before the speaker rounds up or comments. And that just okay. relates to the damage, the the loose items on the roof. Um, I'm concerned, and I just needed clarity whether that can be sorted out before the Hawks investigation is completed, because I think that poses uh, a, a danger, and I think. My colleague from the EFF uh, also pointed that out. A danger not only to MPs and staff, but also to civilians. And I just needed an idea whether that could be done similarly to the temporary roof structure as a matter of urgency prior to the handing over or the completion of the Hawks investigation. But my sincere apologies uh, for interrupting um, the speaker and yourself, Chair. No, no, that that's fine. Before before the speaker comes in, members, um, I see there are a couple of hands now. Um, okay, it's only Steve Swartz and off the speaker. Members, are there questions that you would want to uh, further maybe ask questions where you feel that uh, they were not responded to adequately so? Where you'd want to make uh, emphasis? Um, because after the speaker has spoken, we are now going to wrap up and close the meeting. Okay, there are none. It was only member Swartz. Can I now invite the speaker? Oh, before the speaker, Kuka, can you respond to uh, member Swartz's question? Can Thank we get you. a response from Kuka? Thank you, um, Madam Chair. Uh, yes, the, the reason why we indicated in the action register um, after the walks was purely because uh, the DPWI cannot establish a term contractor due to the fact that they may, if they immediately address the, the safety concerns with regard to the roof uh, prior to the walks or during the walks, that that may disturb potential evidence. And the fire forensics obviously need to establish, uh, given the, the current condition, the, the extent of the fire and, and the, the possible causes of the fire. Hence, we stated that it immediately after the walks and back, that that work must be um, executed by DWI. Um, and um, uh, I just want to assure the Honourable Member Swart that the area directly behind the, the uh, Government Avenue, um, as well as the um, outside perimeter around the National Assembly, due to the uh, demarcation by the walks, uh, did provide some uh, barrier, safety barrier, as to potential debris that can actually blow off. But once the walls remove the uh, demarcation, obviously, directly in front of the National Assembly in the presidency, as well as, as uh, the, uh, they have uh, cordoned off the entire government avenue, uh, once that uh, um, uh, demarcation is removed, then obviously uh, public could be vulnerable as well as any persons on the prison. So hence, uh, that activity will have to start uh, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Can I now invite the speaker? Chair Percy. Oh, Chair. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. And I was cut off on, uh, by the network. Right. Yeah, now come in quickly because uh, you came at the at the end of our meeting. You came at the point where 
We wanted to hand over to the speaker to make final remarks. I'll just give oh, you no. two minutes. All right. No, thank you. First of all, Chairperson, I wanted to appreciate the speaker and the minister for availing themselves in making this report to Parliament, to the Joint Standing Committee on Parliamentary Management of Parliament. We must remember that the funds of Parliament are overseen by this committee. This is the only committee which is mandated by law to oversee the this expenditure of Parliament, income and expenditure of Parliament. So it is very important that any major work which is done around Parliament, it must be reported to this committee uh, 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 as the financial management and parliamentary parliament and provincial legislators act provide for. Number two, Chair, I wanted to, when the speaker opened the meeting, she, she spoke about the issue of the meeting being closed, a request of the meeting being closed. I think that whatever happens, we must be circumspect around that issue of closing the meetings to the public because it is a constitutional matter, Jay. Now, when you go to Section 59 of, of the Constitution, it's very clear that the Parliament work must be transparent. The people must participate and be uh, the, the information must be made available to the people. So this issue of closing the meetings, it must be treated with serious circumspection so that it cannot just be invoked at any time. There are only two committees of parliament which are, are, are allowed to meet in camera. That is Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence and the, and the Ethics Committee. But the work of the other committees must really be out there so that the people must be able to follow what is happening in parliament. Because the issue of transparency is the one which defends our democracy. Because if we share, if the people on the ground know what is happening in their government and in their country, it's going to be easy for them to defend the country. But apart from that, I really appreciated the presentation. I think that it went to town in, in exposing the damage which is done there. But you can see that the damage is concentrated on the side of the NA. There's all assembly and NSOP chamber in that area is not even mentioned here. So the question which I wanted to raise is when is that wing going to be opened? I don't know whether someone has asked about that, but I'm interested that in knowing when is that wing going to be open. Number two is that you can see that this issue of, of, of the fire, it, it, it involves a lot of engineers, but we know very well the engineering work. We know very well that parliament does not have that capacity. So as the department reports to the executive authority, who's it on the side of parliament? Who's going to ensure or verify that information that is correct? Because we don't want a situation whereby two years down the line, we found that the money has been lost in dubious ways. But we really appreciate the work being done. But I think that the check and recheck system which our country is having, it must always be, be in place. So I really wanted the speaker, if you can also go to town, that what is it? Who's assisting the executive authority on parliament to verify this information which is in front of them? Thank you, Comrade Um, public works minister or anyone from Puha, are there issues that you would want to respond to from <laughs> the issues that raised by member Khadebe? Are there issues you'd want to questions raised by member Khadebe? Uh, honorable, honorable person, if I if I may, 
Yes, yes, you may, uh, Minister. Thank you, Thank you Honourable Chair. Um, I want to agree with Honourable Khadebe that this is the committee that has got oversight over everything. And maybe the Honourable Member was uh, at problems at the time we have committed uh, to give the, the Speaker a weekly report about progress. Um, we have also said that um, we, when we get the final assessment, which will be the phase two report, uh, that will then give us an indication of the extent of the damage, the cost of the damage, and the restoration time it will take uh, with the building. We don't have that information as yet. Uh, subject to the Hawks handing over the building officially in writing uh, to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, uh, then the work with Kucha can continue to do even the test on some of the materials, uh, to do the assessment in the basement once the water has been all drained out. Uh, and, and Kucha has committed that that report will be available early in May. We are committed to come back to the committee and to Parliament through Madam Speaker uh, with the uh, final phase one report, the final phase two report. But for now, no restoration has started. Uh, the point that was raised about the safety, we're all concerned about it, and we've raised it with the walks, that we need to start looking at how to deal with the debris. Even today, the wind is very, very strong in Cape Town. Then the, just the last point that I wanted to respond to on Adebe is that uh, the, the issue was not about closing the meeting of parliament. The issue was about us, first of all, getting permission from the Hawks uh, and, and running the information that we're releasing to, to, the, to Parliament, past them to ensure that we, are, we don't put in, out any information that might impact on the criminal investigation. The Hawks gave us that permission that the presentation done by Kucha today has got no impact on the criminal investigation. It is purely construction matters. But we had to seek permission from them because we had to sign and to commit that whilst the investigation is still ongoing, that no information will be made public. So uh, that was the situation and uh, because we were granted permission by the Hawks to release information from a crime scene, we were able then to share it with the Speaker and to share it with Parliament. So it was not really about a closed meeting, but it was subject to us getting information or permission from the Hawks uh, to release the information. I thank you, Honourable Chairperson.
Madam Speaker, can I now invite you so that you can do the closing remarks? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, I see that your network is unstable, that side. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Members. Thank you, Minister Delil and the team from KUHA for this report. Chairperson, this is a very, very important report because all the questions which members have raised are questions which can only be responded to when we have a picture of, of what has happened in parliament, not just the fire, but to see for ourselves the extent of the devastation in that building. Honorable members, I know that in the course of this, earlier on I did say that this is a phase one. In fact, if I may say this, it was very premature of us to bring the report to you. But I just felt that it would be better if the minister comes and briefs you precisely because of the issues raised by Dr. Khadeb, which is uh, that this is a committee that has an oversight responsibility with regards to finances of parliament, but also it's a committee which right from the beginning actually convened a meeting immediately after the fire in order to understand how we're going to move forward on the matter. So therefore it becomes important that on a regular basis, honorable members are briefed about progress which is being made. So please understand if there are issues which can, the team cannot respond to or answer, it has to do with the fact that in the first instance, this is an incomplete phase one process. Once they are done, I would imagine that the minister will come back and give us a briefing. Now, honorable members are raising issues such as, for instance, um, the issue of relocation. May I just uh, point out to members that at this point in time, the focus really is on the assessment of the damage caused by the fire. Issues of relocation of parliament, if needs be, Issues of either restoration or rebuilding of, the, of parliament are issues which we can only start discussing as South Africans once we have had an understanding and picture of how much we can do with what is left out of the ruins of parliament. Now, obviously, the issue of a relocation of parliament Honorable members, is, is would be a very, whether relocate or not, it would be a very serious political decision to take at this point. It would be a political decision that will require collective thinking, collective engagement, and collective decision making by all of us. So it is not a matter which because there is fire, there was this fire and parliament is gutted, then we take the decision. Once all of the work has been done, and once the phase two as well, which issue, which um, phase two deals with the scope um, to determine the state uh, of, of, the, of the, and what it would cost, the restoration of the building. Those are some of the things which we can discuss only when we have now had full access to everything which is being done by the team 
which will be at the end of your phase two. Of course, honorable members, there is a report I know, which is a socio-economic impact of, uh, of the possible relocation of, of parliament, which is a report which is there in, in, in parliament, which in my understanding from the secretary of parliament is a report which was presented in 2020 January to the executive authority of parliament, but it is an incomplete process which requires discussion by members of parliament. So that issue is an outstanding matter. We can maybe beyond this meeting when the committee meets on its own, the committee can then receive that presentation and then the committee will decide how to take the process forward. Now, there's a matter here which has been raised by Mr. Khatebe. Honorable uh, Khatebe, yes, uh, actually there is thinking. After my interaction with the team in Tuesday, I came out with a feeling that, in fact, I did consult with the person responsible for facilities, Ms. Zungu, who is also here on this platform right now, that we probably need to establish, uh, appoint an advisory group of engineers, a group of advisory team that will assist us as parliament now, parliament to interpret all these technical issues which will be brought to us by this team from Guha. So it is a matter which the management will look into, but obviously after the engagement after listening to the presentation by Mr. Christoph Bukas, I did say to, to uh, Mazungu that we definitely, beyond this now, now that we've had this first interaction with Public Works, directly also getting a report from the Kuha, we need to have a team of, uh, of uh, experts, of engineers, who can then say to us, okay, raise the following. Okay, this is what they are saying. Please check this one, check that, because we do not have the expertise to do that. And then the last matter raised is the matter of the, okay, the matter related to temporary roof. Uh, I don't think at this point, even though, uh, there may be space for us to do so, to put up a temporary roof. I don't think the team would be able to do that until all of the work which they are doing. In fact, honorable members, when we look at the pictures, you know, initially an impression was given to us that, no, 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 actually uh, the old assembly chamber can, we can, it, occupy it as quickly as possible. It's not going to be as easy, honorable members, even though the roof has been destroyed, but we have seen the footage and we've heard them say, it is possible that the walls as well are some are compromised. So we just have to exercise a bit of patience, honorable members. We will know, we will be informed how, when and what to do. Now, the last matter is the NCOP chamber. Of course, we were informed that uh, uh, quite early that it would be possible to use the NCOP chamber. It seems the NCOP chamber has not been damaged at all. 
So it is possible that maybe by next session around June, July, maybe that the NCOP will be sitting from its chamber and that uh, the chairperson and members of the NCOP whose offices are in that wing may possibly occupy their offices, but honorable members, that too, we do not want to make assumptions. We do not want to speculate about how soon. We want to rely on the scientific uh, analysis uh, or, or assessment which has been done by the engineers. So that too, I, I want to request us as honorable members to exercise a bit of patience and, and allow for the team to finish their phase one and start with their phase two. We have agreed with the minister that we will have regular meetings. The moment the team indicates that they've now completed the work of phase one, I am sure the minister will, will draw our attention to that. And then we can quickly convene and listen to that report and provide guidance on what next they should do, including maybe, including making a determination as to what else should be done at the point when they start uh, with their phase two uh, assignment. I think Chairperson uh, and Honorable Members, that is all I would like to say. And I want to once more make this undertaking that we will keep you informed on a regular basis. The Minister has committed to do that. And the issues of procurement or stroke issues of the costs involved, I would want to imagine, honorable members, that we know that those issues are issues which you can always invite myself if it relates to parliament, the minister as well, and then we can account to the committee. I do not think these, those are issues which should be discussed now or even raised in a meeting with uh, the service provider. I, that is all honorable members. Uh, once more, thank you, thank you very much. The way forward uh, on whatever happens here in parliament really will be determined by South Africans. It will be determined by South Africans through you honorable members, and therefore we will not deprive you with information which will empower you or assist you to make a determination on what else needs to be done about parliament. Thank you very much, honorable members. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Thank you very much, uh, Minister, uh, honorable members, um, we appreciate the presentation of the phase one uh, report and we're looking forward to uh, further engagement as soon as Kwaha has been afforded an opportunity, not has been afforded an opportunity to continue with the uh, extent of the damage so that they can also give us the projected times and uh, 
the exact uh, report on restoration as to what needs to be restored. Um, Members, uh, in that note, I want to thank you very much uh, for also sparing your Friday afternoon. It was an agent meeting, but you all responded uh, positively in big numbers. Uh, In that note, I would like to officially adjourn the meeting with an understanding that uh, this is the committee where all fire-related reports will be first uh, conversed with before they can uh, go to the media or any other structures. Thank you very much, Speaker, for that commitment. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Thank you, members. The meeting is over. Good afternoon. Long live the chair and have a pleasant weekend. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Chair, it's Cindy. Can we still consider our program, Chairperson? Uh, the, the agenda is half done. We still have to deal with the second temporal and program. Um, thank you, Mr. Hadebe. I'll fly it so long and, and give Ms. Mabe a call um, to see if she can quickly connect again. Because she's already left the... Um, oh. Let me quickly she... All right. If she has left Cindy, let's leave it out. All right. Oh. All right. No, I'll email it to me. Yeah, because what, what is happening? We don't have both culture persons now. Ne? Yeah. I don't think that it should be right to proceed with it. Ne? So let's wait for the next as early as possible in the second time, and then we we'll deal with it. Thank you, Sin. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hadebe. Goodbye.